Psychology Nerds, and welcome to Psychology and Stuff, the podcast out of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay. I'm Ryan Martin, one of the hosts of Psychology and Stuff, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host, chair of the UW-Green Bay Psychology Program. Also, she's my friend, Dr. Georgina Wilson-Dengis. How's it going, G? It is going super well. I, I am just like rolling through the semester like there's no tomorrow. You would not believe how awesome things are going. And, you know, it's just been beautiful weather. Uh, all of our sports teams are winning. It is just a beautiful time to be in uh, Wisconsin. How about yes. you? I agree for the most part. I'm full of enthusiasm today, as you may have noticed. I'm really excited about what we're talking about. I'm excited about the fall. I even broke out like my full folly shirt. Like this is the most fall thing I have. Nice flannel. Uh, yeah, that's right. I look like a freaking lumberjack, um, <laughs> which is, I guess, not really a fall thing because lumberjacks cut down trees, right? That, no, it's more yeah. like a scarecrow kind of situation if it's fall and you don't want to okay. go there. Yeah, well, I, you're right. I, I think I, you know, it's a nice segue into our episode, the whole lumberjack thing. So let's just go with that, right? <laughs> So let's acknowledge, well, first of all, we got to bring Kelsey in. Kelsey, how's it going? So good, so good. And duly noted, I have fall colored in my hair, so we're all representing fall. It's a beautiful time, but so good. It sure is. Very good. Kelsey, you are continuing to kill it on social media, and people can see that work at Psych psych and Stuff, right? At Psych and Stuff in all of the places, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, check it out. We got Psych and Stuff shorts uh, every other week on Facebook, on Facebook and other places. So you can check it out in all of those places. Um, awesome work, Kelsey. So, G, we don't have a guest today. No, we do know, not. And you know why? It's because we don't need a guest. You know what? We have expertise too, listeners, and we are able to talk about things without the benefit of uh, some other person that we're bringing in. I'm really coming in hot uh, toward our You listeners. really are. <laughs> like, you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so just know, listeners, I think a good way to increase our listenership is to just start insulting them right out of the gate. I think we're, we're <laughs> like, we're going negative. Listen here, listeners, we know stuff. And today we're going to talk about that stuff we know. Um, first, G, why don't you lay down your, uh, your expertise on people? Let them know who you are for those of us who, who don't check in. Uh, quite as often. Who are you, G? Absolutely. So, <laughs> I uh, I actually have a PhD in social ecology, which is like the cool interdisciplinary field that looks at psychology and architecture and planning and nature and all sorts of great things and how uh, we can make all of those things the best, not only for humans but for our planet as well. What about you? What, what stuff Very do you nice. know, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, so I my background is in counseling psych. Uh, so I study both mental health and mental illness and actually how to help people uh, change through those, uh, those experiences, how to help them improve and, and be more successful from a mental health, uh, mental illness perspective. And... Uh, this is what makes us both collectively sort of the perfect quote unquote guests for today's episode, because we are talking about, I want to, it's not even fair to say it's a new article because in reality, it hasn't even been published yet. But what has been published is an abstract 
as well as a whole lot of articles about it. So today we're going to be talking about an article, like I said, hasn't come out yet, um, but has been getting a lot of attention in popular media. So it's been feature, featured in Reuters and NPR and Wash Post and Bloomberg, uh, a bunch of other places. Now, the article is titled Young People's Voices on Climate Anxiety, Government Betrayal and Moral Injury, a Global Phenomenon. The lead author is Dr. Elizabeth Marks from the University of Bath in the UK, but there are eight other authors from multiple other institutions, including Helsinki, Wooster, Stanford, and others. Um, we don't obviously know all the details yet, but G, do you want to describe what we do know? So we do know that this is actually part of a really huge study, which uh, makes the, the results of it seem so much more uh, valid and important uh, in that they surveyed, uh, well, in collective as part of a, a larger survey, uh, they surveyed tens of thousands of people and they selected a subset of that, which are 10,000 children and youth. So we're talking about like ages 16 to 25 uh, and asked them questions about rising climate-related mental health risks. And so that's what we're talking about today, this really fascinating study, um, international, like global study uh, from young people from 10 different countries, like including, I don't know, they went to Nigeria and India, the United States and UK and France and uh, other Brazil and other places as well. And so we really get a snapshot of our planet at this time. What are our young people thinking uh, about specifically about climate related risks and the anxiety that might happen because of it. Yeah, and I think, so I think the way we decided to approach this based on you know, what we, we sort of know about the findings or what were written in this abstract, which is something, I mean, there's definitely information there about what's going on, but also um, there's been interviews with the authors that we have seen um, published in a, a bunch of different places that I mentioned. And so I thought, you know, that the, the way to go about this might be to each provide some hot takes, like what, what we think based on what we know so far. Um, you want to go first or should I? You can go first. Take it away. Okay. So one of my hot takes is, um, and I don't, I don't want to minimize anything at all, but there is, I think, in the write-ups of this, as I've been sharing these because I've shared these, these findings in a couple of different places on social media already. And what I'm hearing in response from people is sort of a, well, duh, like we know it's bad and we know that we're anxious. And, and you know, so I think this is something that, and I don't wanna, again, don't wanna minimize the findings because I think this research is important to, to validate a lot of those experiences or to provide some scientific evidence to support those perspectives. But what a lot of young people are saying in response to this is, well, yeah, obviously we're mortified uh, about uh, the future. And so, you know, and again, I don't, I think the study is really, really, really important and really valuable. And I think actually my criticism is more the writing about it than the actual study that I think a lot of the articles about it have kind of pointed out something that I think is 
for many young people, relatively obvious that they are experiencing a lot of anxiety and not just anxiety, but anger and helplessness and uh, worry and, um, and uh, just a ton of distress. And so again, not trying to, it's not really about the study so much as the writing about it, where I think like a lot of people are gonna say, yeah, we know. But I think that there is also some misconceptions about what eco-anxiety is. And that's what they're okay. calling it, like eco-anxiety or climate anxiety. Uh, and some of the things that I did read and hear from the authors is that, the, that young people are obviously like anxious about the results of climate change, but what is also coming into play is their anxiety and their frustration with the leadership because we know what we must do to mitigate what's going on with climate change, but that the government and corporations and people in power are not doing them. And yep. that creates like a, another side to eco-anxiety that I think is really important to think about. When you use the word eco-anxiety, it sounds like they're just anxious about you know, the fires out West or um, increasing cyclones or hurricanes, but really they're also anxious about our leaders and right. what they're not doing. That's actually what a, part of what I mean is that it feels like that some of these articles have sort of buried the lead a little bit because they're focused on the, the existential dread that I think a lot of young people are feeling and not the anger, you know, that, that a lot of people are saying is like, I, we know that we have what it takes to, to fix this and we, we can't seem to make progress because our leaders don't care. And so that, hence the, the frustration and helplessness, which feels really relevant to me. And I think that that's a, the, the mixed bag of emotions that young people are reporting in this study um, can go one of two directions. Uh, that maybe maybe neither of which are very good. <laughs> um, one is like that they feel so angry that they it radicalizes them uh, in a way that may not be productive, or it can just lead to learned helplessness, that frustration, that feeling of lack of agency over the decision making that's happening. Um, that that could lead them to disengage from the process because they feel like they have no agency and that these decisions are out of their control. And I don't know, do you, what do you think about those two sort of extreme responses? If I get to choose one, I hope they become radicalized. Um, I, I would, I would prefer that to the learned helplessness piece. I tell you, you know, there was a, um, there, there was an ad for uh, Greta Thunberg, documentary uh, that was on Hulu. And I've not seen the documentary, but um, the ad started with her sort of looking down the, right down the barrel of the camera and saying, I want you to panic. Um, and it, it was striking to both of my kids who, when they saw this ad said, you know, she wants us to be scared, you know, that there was this like recognition. And, and you know, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that as a motivator and you're right. The, the fear is that, because I think, quite frankly, I would put myself in the maybe learned helplessness category right now, that I um, am certainly closer to that 
than to some other uh, categories that I it just, you know, 45 years of watching uh, little be done in a significant way is, is caused some distress. And so um, I, I think between the two, that's the direction I hope people go. And so, one of the quotes oh. that I read um, said that ego anxiety is a sign of mental health. <laughs> and I just been thinking and thinking about that quote, um, because I think that's exactly what Greta Thunberg was trying to communicate is that you should be scared. <laughs> like that is the healthy response to what we know. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to remember the quote right now and I'm not going to be able to do it justice, but I'm going to do my best. And that is Martin Luther King in one of his lesser known speeches talks about maladjustment and, um, and, in it, he, he describes how maladjustment is a term commonly used among psychologists. And then he says, I never intend to adjust myself to, and he runs through a list of things, to poverty, to racism, to discrimination, and so on. And, and I imagine a modern version of that quote would be, I never intend to adjust myself to uh, environmental destruction. And so I, this is a spoiler alert for those of you in my abnormal psych class. This is something we talk about quite a bit near the end of the term is are that in some ways our definition or not in some ways, our definitions of mental illness are so um, social, so much socially constructed that we oftentimes are ignoring very, very real um, feeling states that as Georgina just pointed out are a sign of mental health or, or could be considered a sign of mental health. Another one of my hot takes right now is um, already the science deniers are coming out, right? Article hasn't even been published. And if you read the comments on any of the articles uh, written about this, including the, the abstract itself, it is, um, you see people criticizing the method, the, the method criticizing the findings, saying all sorts of, of, of negative things, um, pointing out the bias of the researchers, et cetera. And, so it is exceedingly frustrating to me to see that undoubtedly this study as along with every study has limitations, um, but the tendency to use those limitations as a reason not to believe the findings is again, exceedingly frustrating. I think as we move forward with this, I think we can't let science deniers sort of co-opt the narrative and I'm just grant the premise from the outset. Yes, it has limitations. Scholars looked at those limitations, move along. There's nothing to see here. And I also think uh, they put together an interdisciplinary team of some of our best scholars uh, in this work. So Susan Clayton, who is the fourth author of the pending article, uh, is the author of my Psychology for Sustainability textbook. She's a, an environmental oh, wow. psychologist. And so she is the only psychologist that I think uh, is... Uh, an environmental psychologist on that, um, on the list of authors, but I think they've put together an international and interdisciplinary team of researchers to try and avoid some of the biases that any one country or any one discipline would hold. Right. Yeah. And it's, it, that's a really, really good point. Like these, again, studies have limitations. We know that, and and you're going to find them, and, and we should 
we should talk about those limitations to a point. But once you start using those limitations to discount the entire study, you're, you're obviously seeing things through a particular lens in a way that is unreasonable. And, and you know, this, again, this study took pains from the outset to, to control for that. And then it went through a very thorough peer review process. My hunch is that the readers of, uh, you know, Washington Post aren't going to uncover something based on the abstract that no one else thought of or no. Absolutely. And I think one of the other things that's happening simultaneously to this article that give me hope are some of the lawsuits against like countries and governments um, calling uh, like uh, environmental destruction a violation of basic human rights. And I think that that legal argument will also give some credence to the scientific argument, not that it should, or that it has to, like that we should need that to happen. But I think the fact that it is happening um, and that they're winning cases with this science is really encouraging to me. I, yes, I agree. And I think there's, I mean, that's, that's a fascinating element in its own right. The, the, because one of the things we know is that there is such a thing as environmental discrimination, that the consequences of, uh, of, of um, environmental destruction are not experienced equally amongst all people, and that some people are suffering them at a much greater right, uh, rate, and, and oftentimes uh, such people are those in poverty. Um, and so I, I think it's another element here that is, is really important. I have a final thought on this, if you're ready for it. And that is, I'm that, ready. you know, for the last year and a half, I've been hearing people talk about the mental health consequences of um, COVID and specifically with kids and oftentimes used in a way uh, to justify the uh, reopening of schools, oftentimes used in a way to, um, to, to justify, you know, kids not having to wear masks is another example. Like it's cruel to make children wear masks and it affects their mental health and so on. And those arguments have bothered me for reasons that I don't necessarily have to get into here. And it's not that I don't think there's some validity to the idea that this has been a stressful time. It has, but I think it's interesting to think that many of the same people who are using that argument are going to be the first people to discount this argument. You know, that many of the people who are saying we need to reopen schools to let our kids be mentally healthy and spend time with their friends will be the first people to say, but this isn't real, right? This isn't a real finding. And I think that's too bad. I think that's shameful. I think we need to acknowledge if you really are, if you really do care about children's mental health, you have to be concerned about this. You just have to. Um, And if you spent the last year telling people hey, we have to care about this. You know, we have to reopen schools because of kids' mental health. Then you have to care about this. You have to care about this just as much, if not more. And I also think there's a lot of uh, people who put the burden back on kids and their generation to fix it. Like, yes. like they're, they're simultaneously denying that it's a problem, but saying, if it is a problem, 
it's your problem, not ours, and you'll have to fix it. And I think that that adds to the psychological distress of mm-hmm. what's going on is that their refusal to admit that it's happening or that their, their refusal to try and fix it and then say, like, you fix it uh, yourself. Yeah. And I think it's not possible. No right. generation alone can possibly fix the, the effects of climate change. We all have to work together. It can't just be, you know, like the Friday climate strikes from school or whatever. It can't be 16 to 25 year olds that are going to save the world because it's just not possible. And so I hope that one of the things that I hope comes out of this study, regardless of the deniers, is that it motivates a larger segment of the general global population to act so that we don't have to rely on 16-year-olds to fix it. Right, right. Completely agree. And I think that is a good way for us to finish up unless you have any other last thoughts on this before we move into something new. Nope, I can't wait to read it for real either. And uh, I look forward to seeing some motivation come from it. Me too. And when it comes out for real, we will, of course, um, either talk about it on a Psych and Stuff short. We will make sure to tweet out the, uh, the findings or, or whatever. So follow along. But lots more to come on this important article. Kelsey, do you want to take it away with our five questions? This is something we reintroduced, I guess, last week or last episode with, uh, with her. But uh, you want to take it away? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So... We have a big list. I chose five questions to ask our awesome hosts. So I'm actually going to start with G, okay? So Georgina. All right. First question is, tell us something about yourself that would surprise us. Oh. Um, <laughs> it, it, well, I don't know that it would surprise the two of you, but it may surprise um, the listeners to know that I attempted to try out for American Idol at um, Hollywood Studios uh, when, uh, like, when they used to audition there, like on the daily, they would have uh, a competition. So I competed uh, and I lost very terribly. <laughs> Wait, so you're telling me you weren't on American Idol? (laughs) Oh, I know. Like that would have been really shocking, I suppose. (laughs) But I did audition much to my children's dismay. I think if if I did know that, I think I forgot. I that was surprising (laughs) to me. So nice job. Even though it probably shouldn't have been. I probably knew that at the time. That's awesome. You want to know what I sang? Oh, yeah. uh, Amazing Grace. No, but I could have. No, yeah. I sang respect, which was really like yes. insight, a not great choice. That is a hard song to sing. <laughs> but Just I cause tried. Because you, you have to be able to spell. Is that what makes it hard? <laughs> I kept getting it wrong. You kept spelling it wrong. Oof, I, I get it. I'm surprised you didn't make it. But okay. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right, Ryan. If you had to eat one meal a day, every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Actually, I might already know this answer now that I'm thinking about it. Yes, I was going to (laughs) say, we talked about that. Yeah. Unless 
unless the pizza had mushrooms yes. and then you couldn't eat it. And then what would you do? You would starve to death. Oh, yeah, no. it would. No. So, um, I will, I, I will go hard on the pizza answer. Uh, that's a hard yes. Georgina is right though, that if it had mushrooms, not only could I not eat it, I probably couldn't be in the same room with it, uh, mm. just cause I find the smell of mushrooms so terribly off-putting. Um, However, uh, so if I had to choose like a second, like a follow-up, it'd probably be some other similar pasta dish like lasagna or mm. something like that. But still, I, since there were no limitations placed on the original question, meaning what kind of pizza, I'm just gonna say pizza. Like it, I like it, awesome. All right, G, are you messy or organized? I am super organized. Like crazy color coded crazy organized and it's like almost problematic <laughs> well there you go listeners if you're a student and you need help or faculty or whatever Georgina will help you she has it all figured out okay with emojis Perfect. and everything like on all the bins in my basement they are they have emojis for like different holidays and different uses. Yeah, it's a little extreme. I love it, love it, love it. All right, Ryan, if you were an animal, what would you be? Hmm. Ooh, um, wolf, I think. <laughs> I know that sounded, yeah, here, I'm gonna go through my thought process on this because at first I was like, like a, like a cheetah or, uh, or something like that, because it's like a super fast cat, like runs around. Not that I'm fast or sly or anything like that, but just because I think it'd be fun to be that fast. Then I remembered how much I hate cats. And so I thought it would be a weird answer to say cat, mm. but I love dogs. But then I was trying to think like, what's a version, like a better version of a dog, not better, but like wilder, uh, faster. And I went with wolf. So that's I thought, it, I, I thought it had some twilight origin and I was going to <laughs> like, that's why I laughed so hard. I was like, wait, I didn't know that you were team Jacob. Yeah. Oh, no, I was, I was team nobody in that series for the record. I was team. I wish I hadn't read all of these books or seen all of these movies. Once I start, this is my problem. Once I start something, I can't finish uh, or I can't, like, I can't not finish. And, um, mm -hmm. I made the mistake of starting those books. So, yeah. Good investment. Okay. So I think for the last one, we're going to do both of you. Okay. I want both of you to answer this because I think it'll be great. All right. G, you start. Do you have a favorite quote and what is it? Oh, I do. I, that's, this is an easy one for me. Um, it's a quote from Yoda and it is, I should do it in my Yoda voice, but you might not be Try not. No, I won't do that. <laughs> I love it. It is oh. try not, do or do not. There is no try. Yes. That's it's a phenomenal quote. In Yoda, Yoda language, but yes. That I love is it. very good. There is something very similar from Mr. Miyagi that I like a lot uh, in the original uh, Karate Kid. Uh, I think it, but, but um, yeah, similar, similar sentiment. Um, I actually don't have a favorite quote. Um, I've never been particular, which is weird. I've never been particularly good at, at sort of quoting things other than like kind of quoting movies in a silly way. 
Um, I do have like a variation of this is I do have a, a mantra once and it, and it like a statement that I sort of live by. And I honestly, I only half remember where it came from. I think I might've, so Georgina's going to laugh here, but there, there was a time when I used to take the minutes at our meetings and I would always write, like I would editorialize with silly jokes down at the bottom. And at one point, someone, maybe this is a quote, actually, I think reading Garung, uh, all-star guest said something like, move forward, adjust as necessary, or something like that. And I editorialized when, in taking the minutes, I wrote, um, that's a good life goal, or a good life message. Um, and then I've, ever since, I've literally like written it on whiteboards and offices I'm in, and just sort of thought of it as a, as a good sort of approach to life, like move forward, adjust as necessary. So I say that to myself a lot when I encounter uh, frustrating circumstances or goals or, or like goal blocking or things like that. So I guess it's a quote. It's just probably Regan, maybe. How famous enough. He is as wise as Yoda, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you should. How would Yoda say that? He would say, uh, forward you move, adjust as necessary. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> um, all right. Outstanding. Any final thoughts before we finish this up? Nope. Go outside, people. Or yes. maybe you're outside already listening to this while you're outside, but go you know, outside. If, if you are, look around and appreciate the environment in a mindful way. Look around, take a look at the trees. I mean, if you're driving, you know, pay attention to the road. But uh, if you're not driving and you're just walking, you know, look at the trees. So very good. Um, Kelsey, thank you so much for everything you are doing. Once again, you can see her work firsthand at Psych and Stuff, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, doing great work in all of those places. G, you are, your handle at is? G-E-O-R-J-E-A-N-N-A-W-D. Outstanding. And I am at Anger Professor on all of the places. So check me out there. Psychology and Stuff is a production of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. The executive producer is Ryan Martin and the production manager is Kate Farley. Our audio production coordinator is Bill Salek. Our graphic designer is Kimberly Weiss and our intern is Kelsey Englehart. Special thanks to our fabulous guests this episode, Georgina and Ryan. If you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also head over to our website, uwdb.edu slash podcast to check out past episodes of this and all our shows. I'm your host, Ryan Martin, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Georgina Wilson-Dengis. Keep being amazing. Amazing.